Hi everyone, I'm Miles, the Vicar of HTBB, and I wonder how you're feeling. Maybe you're feeling a little bit more optimistic, finally, about CMCO, about life going back to normal, maybe, the vaccine being rolled out, or perhaps you're feeling a bit nervous about going back to life, wondering what the new normal will be like. I think it's fair to say that maybe half of us are excited by the question, what could be next? And half of us perhaps a little scared about the question, oh dear, what will be next? Well, I believe that I have a word for you today, a word for all of us, a word for the church. And it's this, a significant door of opportunity is opening before us is opening before you. And the Lord is asking you, he's asking us to walk through it. And we're going to look at some verses from the last book of the Bible today, the book of Revelation. It was written by the disciple John whilst he was exiled on the island of Patmos. And the book begins with these words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the word revelation in the original Greek is apocalyptos, and it means unveiling. It's a revealing of God's truth. It's like in the book of Revelation, Jesus pulls back the curtains of the physical world to show things as they truly are from God's perspective. If the book of Revelation had a refrain, it would probably be this. Jesus is saying, look, things are not as they seem. Look, things are not as they seem. And by chapter four of the book, we get this picture of a throne right at the epicenter of the universe. And on it sits Jesus. He's in control. He has won. The world might look out of control. Your life might at times feel out of control, but things are not as they seem. Jesus is in control. At the start of the book, chapter one, verse three, it says this, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. So you will be blessed in a moment just by hearing these words read. That's the promise. And then in verse four of chapter one, it starts by saying to the seven churches in the province of Asia. And then what follows are letters written by Jesus to seven churches in Asia Minor. They're all in modern day Turkey. But seven is also the number of completion. So they're also letters to all churches down through all the ages. And that includes to HTBB. And I believe the word that Jesus has for us today is particularly relevant from his letter to the church in Philadelphia. This was one of only two of the seven letters in which Jesus offers no rebuke, but only comfort and encouragement. The other being his letter to the church in Smyrna. So let me read this to you. And remember, you're gonna be blessed by hearing it. This is Revelation chapter three, beginning at verse seven. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, 
I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my commands to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. So this letter begins by affirming that it is indeed from Jesus himself. Verse 7. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now, Jesus is the one who is holy and true and who holds the key of David. This is reference to Isaiah 22. Isaiah chapter 22 from verse 20. God, through the prophet Isaiah, says this, In that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. Remember, when, when John in book of Revelation describes the image of Jesus, he's wearing a royal robe with a sash. And then Isaiah continues, he will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Now, Eliakim was a good steward in King David's household. And of course, Jesus is of the divinic line. And Eliakim had the key to the palace to allow access to the king and to his riches. And in a sense, Eliakim was a foreshadow of Jesus. Of course, Jesus is the only one with the key to unlock all the authority and power and riches of heaven. And he's the only one who can give us access to the Father. And the Gospels describe how Jesus has the keys to death and Hades and how only through him can the door to salvation be opened. And like Eliakim, in Revelation chapter 3, it says of Jesus, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. In other words, Jesus is in complete control of the world and of your life. How encouraging is that? So we're reading here, literally, a letter from Jesus to us. And he originally writes this letter to the church in Philadelphia. The city of Philadelphia was founded in 190 BC, and it was named after the nickname of the King of Pergamum. And the city was built right next to a large volcano. So it was used to having tremors, earthquakes, and it was used to being shaken. In fact, 50 years before this letter, the entire city had been destroyed by a huge earthquake and they'd had, they'd had to rebuild it from scratch. We also 
have been through a period when we've been shaken by COVID-19. Our world as we knew it, normality, was destroyed. And we are now embarking on a period of having to rebuild once again. And because the people of Philadelphia lived in fear of further earthquakes, most of them lived outside the city and only went in every day for work. And this fear meant that they had to keep on coming and going and coming and going as part of the rhythm of their life. And we sort of know how that feels, right? With lots of coming and going. MCO, CMCO, RMCO, CMCO, MCO, CMCO, and so on. Our life has been disrupted and all this coming and going through fear. But in verse 12, Jesus says that one day we will live in the new temple and the new heavenly city and we won't have to leave it. There'll be no more fear. There'll be no more coming and going, no more uncertainty, no unemployment, no sickness, no tears, not even death. You can know that hope today. What an amazing hope. Verse 11, Jesus says, hold on, I am coming soon. And in this context of the uncertainty of living in Philadelphia, Jesus addresses the church there. And it was having a tough time. In verse eight, he says to them, I know that you have little strength. The church was tiny in size. It was probably no more than two to three dozen, 24 to 36 people tops. And Caesar, uh, the emperor Domitian himself, he called on all people to bow down and worship him. Now, he'd made an exception for the Jews, but not the Christians. And the Christians, they not only refused to worship Caesar, they went even further, further. They said, in fact, there is a real king, the only one worthy of worship, and that is the Lord Jesus. Now, this had led to terrible persecution of the Christians. And the Jews in Philadelphia, probably numbering several thousand, they were afraid of being associated with the Christians. So they began to inform on the Christians and their refusal to worship, and, and they would in tell the authorities about them, making matters even worse for the church. Hence reference in this letter to the synagogue of Satan. So the church in Philadelphia, they did not have it easy, facing fear, uncertainty, and persecution. Yet Jesus commends them on three things. He says, although they had little strength, they'd kept God's word, they'd not denied the name of Jesus, and they had endured patiently. I know that many of you during this difficult season, you've, you've remained faithful, you've endured crises, and you've held on to your faith in the name of Jesus. And Jesus encourages them by speaking of the opportunity before them and the security they have in their identity. And I believe this is a word for you today, a word for us. Things are not as they seem. The Lord is placing before us opportunity and he's affirming our identity in him. So firstly, opportunity. And here Jesus uses the analogy of a door. In verse eight, he says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. We have 
an open door before us. Now, what is this door? Well, as is often the case in the book of Revelation, if something can be interpreted in more than one way, then all interpretations are probably meant. There are many layers to the book. And now this door certainly refers to the door to salvation. We can't open the door to salvation by our own efforts. It's by grace. It is by faith in Jesus, trusting, by, trusting in his death on the cross and resurrection, defeating death for us. That leads us through the door to salvation. You know, later in chapter three, Jesus will say, I stand at the door and knock. And Jesus taught in the gospels that he is the true gate, the true door to the sheep pen of God's flock. So you can choose to put your faith in him today and the door to salvation is open before you. Why don't you walk through it right now? Secondly, it is a door of opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus with others. In Acts 14, verse 27, it talks of how God has opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, that's to the non-Jews. This is a door of opportunity for the kingdom of God to advance. And right now it's wide open. Church looks different. We can reach people like never before. And maybe you can invite someone to try Alpha Online, 8 p.m. this Wednesday. Or you can share this service with a friend or a colleague afterwards. Now, the city of Philadelphia had been built with a single purpose, to carry everything Greek to the world. It was known as the Little Athens. And I believe Jesus is saying to us, HTBB, you are positioned to carry a far more important message to the world the message of the hope of Jesus Christ. And KL is well positioned within Asia to reach out to the Chinese-speaking, Bahasa-speaking, Tamil-speaking cultures and countries around us. And this is why we can reach out with the gospel so effectively. It's why HTBB is the home of the Alpha Hub for Asia Pacific. And now through Alpha Online, we really can equip churches all over the region to carry this good news to everyone. But there's a third way to understand this open door. I believe it is a door of personal opportunity for many watching this right now, for you. Look, things are not as they seem. An open door is before you. And we access the authority we have in Christ when we step out in faith and walk through the door. The call today is to be bold. Be bolder as the door is open before you. I remember just, just before um, my family and I moved here to KL, we were living in London <clears throat> and the children were small at that time. And I remember Sarah said to me, look, they, we live in London, but the kids haven't really seen anything of Europe. We're about to move to Asia. You know, they might never, ever see Europe. So we thought, okay, let's try and show them at least something before we move. So we took a long weekend break and we went to Rome. 
And the poor kids, they were tiny, but we, we marched them for hours on end around the city of Rome, bribing them to keep going with ice cream. And we booked this little um, Airbnb right near the Vatican. And uh, when you walk down the staircase from the apartment at the top, there was a big wooden door that opened up onto the main street there. And at the end of that first day, we were exhausted. The children uh, wanted to get into bed and we, we got back to this big door on the street and I pulled out the key, I put it in the lock and I couldn't get it to open. And I pushed and pushed and I fiddled with the lock and I tried and tried for about 15 minutes. The door would not open. I thought, what are we going to do? You know, we have to sleep on the streets, but is Rome safe? Oh, the poor kids. Now at this point, an old man, a local guy just came out of the door of the house next door. And he saw me struggling and he shuffled up and said, can I help? So I just gave him the key. He put it in to the lock and immediately opened the door. I thought, how did he do it? I said, how did you do that? And he just smiled. See, here's the thing. Maybe you've been pushing at a door for a long time. Maybe you feel like you've been fiddling with the lock. Maybe in your head you've been making these worst case scenario plans. Well, Jesus today can open the door just like that. The door always opens for Jesus. Right now, if you want a door, a specific door to open before you, why don't you just type in the chat right now the words open door, put it in the chat, open door. Or if you're watching this uh, later on at a different time, uh, if you can, if you're on your own, why don't you just say out loud the words open door, own it, believe it. The Lord is opening a door before you. Now, for some, this might be an open door in, in regard to a job or a business deal. For others, it might be a relationship that you're longing for. For others, it might be something that you've just been trying for a long, long time. Well, I believe that it's opening up now. And the word is, go again. Try that door again. Go again. Jesus opens the door. And once he does that, no one, we're told, can shut it. Now is the time. Now, sometimes the open door might feel like it's come at really the most inconvenient time. Think of the Philadelphian church. They must have felt small and weak and under pressure. And then Jesus says, see, I've opened a door before you. They must have been like, really? Now, Jesus? I don't have the strength. Maybe you feel a little like that. You don't have the strength to seize the moment, even if the door flung wide open today. Well, remember the words of the Apostle Paul. When we are weak, he is strong. Go in the strength that you have. Jesus is with you by his Holy Spirit. Maybe you felt hemmed in for so long that you feel scared to walk through an open door of opportunity, but don't be afraid. God's timing for you is perfect. Time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. This is a moment for you, a Kairos moment. Walk through the open door. And then Jesus affirms their identity. 
You see, here Jesus uses two images to affirm our secure identity in him. Firstly, he says, you have a crown. In verse 11, he says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. You are a son or daughter of the King of Kings. You're a child of the living God and a co-heir with Christ. And you therefore have a crown. You're of a royal priesthood. When Jesus went to the cross, he wore a crown of thorns. But because of his sacrifice, we gain a crown of glory that will not perish. And we have the privilege to then lay down our crowns before the Lord in worship. The second image he uses is that of a pillar in the temple. Verse 12, he says, him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. You see, when the big earthquake in AD 17 had destroyed Philadelphia, the only thing left standing were the large pillars in the temples. As you endure patiently, as you keep God's word, he will cause you to stand with strength regardless of the shaking because you are secure in him. In 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 21, Solomon's temple, we're told, had two pillars at the entrance and they were given names. They were called Jakin, which means he will establish, and Boaz, which means in him is strength. He's established you and he will keep you strong in Christ. Jesus is the new temple and we are in him pillars of the temple, a temple made up of living stones. And because we've not denied Jesus's name, verse eight, we're then told that we get his name written on us as pillars. And names are important. Sarah and I grew up in this tiny little town in the northwest of uh, England. It's only about 13,000 people in it, and it's called Nutsford. But it's got a strange spelling. It, it begins with the letters K-N. It's like Knutsford. Why is that? Well, in the year 1016, the Viking king, King Knut, was passing through, and he crossed the river there. He crossed the ford, and uh, the Viking settlement was then named Knut's Ford. It's where King Knut crossed the ford. And the name stuck, Knutsford, Nutsford. And what it meant was that this settlement, it belonged to King Knut, and it honored him with its name. You know, in the pagan temples of Philadelphia, they would honor people of status by erecting a pillar and then writing their name on it. We have God's name written on us. And that means that you belong to him, you're honored by him, but then most importantly, we now witness and bring honor to Jesus because we have his name on us.
as it says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, Christ writes upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit so that we become living letters that speak of him as others then look at our lives. A Malaysian man called called, uh, John O'Neill lives in Kuching, and he recently told his story how one day he woke up in the morning and to his complete surprise, his vision seemed blurred. He couldn't see clearly. And it didn't clear during the day, nor the days that followed. So he went to the doctors and they began lots of tests and then they sat him down and gave him the terrible news. They said, I'm afraid you are losing your sight. You have a degenerative condition and there's nothing we can do for you. That was the trigger for John to begin to question life and meaning and and why this was happening. And uh, a local church was about to begin an alpha course. So he went along and did alpha. And it was on the Holy Spirit day in the middle of the alpha course that he chose to put his faith in Jesus. And he was filled with the love of God, with the spirit of God. And at that moment, his whole perspective changed. It was no longer, oh no, what will be with my life? But it was, thank you, Lord, what could be in my life? And how can I serve you? And recently I heard him say uh, this amazing sentence. What a guy. He said, I was blind when I could see, but now I am blind. I can definitely see. Isn't that amazing? As he lost his physical sight, he gained his spiritual sight and he came alive in Christ. So know this, you belong to Jesus Christ. Your identity is secure in him, regardless of the shaking. And I believe that right now, he's opened a door before you. And in faith, be bold and walk through it. Let's pray. Why don't we pray? Just maybe either open your hands to receive. You don't have to. It's helpful body language. And then just pray that ancient prayer of the church. Why don't you pray? Come, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, would you come and touch me, fill me right now and receive the love of God. As it says in Revelation, Jesus says, I have loved you. He loves you. If you've never walked through that door of salvation, why don't you say, Jesus, I choose to follow you for the rest of eternity right now.